tuning in to the Undercuts Review episode of the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. Please rate and review the show wherever you listen and enjoy. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. We had the French Grand Prix this weekend. What were your thoughts of the track coming in? When, whenever I think of the French Grand Prix, I think of Manicor. A great track, lots of great racing. You don't always associate Paul Ricard with great racing. It was on the calendar many, many years ago. You know, it then came back onto the calendar, I think, 2018 or so. Yeah, um, that's right. And, you know, you know, at that point, there hadn't been a French Grand Prix for a, for a good amount of time. So, obviously... French Grand Prix, very historic. You know, I think the very, very first Grand Prix race so. was in France, hence the name Grand Prix. Right? Yep. Actually, I did think that the the quality of the racing with the cars now in the new configurations, the new rules, I think that the the 2022 car lent itself to much better racing at Manucor than I'd seen before. I think the race itself was fine. Yeah. Um, I think just in terms of the quality, you know, it was an average Grand Prix. I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah. I think it was, you know, it wasn't underwhelming. It was, you know, I think it, on the whole, it can stay for a while. I'll, I'll suspend judgment. I do <laughs> like the, uh, the like painted stripes that it has instead of gravel pits. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that idea of the new age slowing down of cars when they're out of bounds. I do like those. You know, you look at Joe's crash in Silverstone. Yeah. Gravel didn't really do much, although not to say that if it was just, um, you know, tarmac all the way out there, that would have made much difference. Sure. But certainly when you look at what flipped him over the barrier at the end, it was where the gravel trap ended. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, the you know, the big thing was always the track limits. And I think now we're getting past that. Let's get into the weekend. So qualifying, Joe had a little spin in Q1. And then Albon had a little spin right after, and that was at towards the end of the session. So it ruined their laps. So they were out in the first one. The big surprise from Q1 was Pierre in his home race getting out in Q1. He has really been struggling this season. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's really sad. I mean, you've got to assume it's the car. Because yeah. you look at what he was doing with last year's car, and this year he's not doing anything. Yeah. You know, obviously they've – it's a contract year they've committed to pierre i think you always look at people in the contract year it's always interesting to to see how hungry they are and then they get they get the deal and then what happens so i I still think he's a great driver but you know in the same way as daniel ricardo is a really good driver you get the car for him how he wants it and he can beat anyone on the day going out in q3 though in in q1 though is um yeah that's in your home grand prix it's gonna hurt yeah, not what he wanted. Carlos, we should say this earlier, Carlos was having um, got a new engine and new parts for this weekend. So he knew coming into qualifying, him and Kevin Magnuson, that they were both going to be starting from the back of the grid. So Carlos still went out there. So he was able to give Charles some nice toes in all three of the sessions. Um, oh, yeah. But especially in Q2 and Q3, um, he just went out there and gave did it perfectly for Charles. And Charles had top times in both the sessions you can only do that in that scenario right right he, he knew he was going to be at the back of the grid and so he could go there solely to help the teammate and i think that manu core is 
also one of the only circuits where it really helps. Obviously, Monza being a, being another right anywhere where there's a long straight, and there are a couple of pretty long straights in Manicor, right? Um, Paul Ricard. Sorry, in <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Sorry, in, there's a couple of long straights in Paul Ricard, yeah. so um, it it definitely helps. And so I don't want to say that was the difference, but it certainly helped cement um, how things went in Q3. Yeah, to get too much. And I mean, ultimately, he wasn't even that far up on Max in order to get that pole position in Q3. So that toe really did help him out a lot. I mean, Max, yeah. I think Max was less than a tenth slower than him. So Yeah, so it did make a difference. I, just when they went out on Q3 for that one lap, yeah. um, it, it felt like Carlos was a little too far ahead. But, you know, you can always hit the brakes a little bit, right? Yeah. Which he did. Like we said, Charles got, got pole. Max and Checo rounded out the top three with Carlos, obviously, at the back of the grid. I mean, Charles, you want to be at pole position on this track, but Red Bull had had some good strategy options being right behind them. And then the three Brits right behind those those guys. We had Lewis in, in fourth, Lando in fifth, and then George in sixth. Pretty impressive yeah. from those guys. It was solid from the Brits. Yeah. Um, Lando... Getting it on fifth, that w- that was a big achievement for him because that car is is not great. Um, so yeah, he he must be happy with that lap. And then behind that, you had Fernando, who is is also extracting as much from that car as it has. Yeah, he's been doing great past few races, get especially yeah. in qualifying trim. Yeah, and you look at Ocon. Ocon, Ocon struggled struggled massively for pace this yeah. weekend. You know, particularly in qualifying, I don't. Where did he? Where did he qualify in the end? I don't have the sheet in front. Um, here, I have it pulled up. I think it was like eleventh or twelfth was where he qualified yeah. in his home Grand Prix. Twelfth. He wants to be further up the field than yeah. that. So you know, Fernando obviously using his wiles and you know taking it, you know, putting it on a good spot on the grid, but then also taking it into the race as well. Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a -a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F number one dot com, where you can put your theories to the test. Getting into the race, we knew Carlos and Kevin were going to be at the back. Uh, we get the start, and Lewis has a great start, going from P4, passing Checo P5 into, P, uh, <laughs> into P3, and then really pushing Max into that turn, but ultimately backs out a little bit. And Charles is able to stay ahead. Watching it, you could see Lewis knowing that, it, that he wasn't going to get it into the corner. Yeah, And so you could see just the way he was positioning his car – he wanted to get it into the right place to kind of then see if he could get him a little bit into the next one. So you could see him come off the gas and position his car well because he'd had such a good start. Yeah, he knew that, and he could. I guess he could see in his mirrors as well that the guys behind him were away behind. So he had the ability to put the car where he wanted it, and knowing that there wasn't going to be someone else there to crash into. Um, obviously, the further back you get, the more difficult it is to position your car that way because there's so much traffic. But by virtue of that start that he got, he you know he could choose his line yeah. into that corner for where he wanted to be at the exit of that corner. 
Um, but at the end of that, he still ended up staying in third. Um, I think in terms of starts, great starts from Fernando, as we said. Oh, yeah. Um, up from seventh to fifth, yep. I think. He was like um, fourth for a second, but then dropped right back down to fifth, but still a really good start from him. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's it. When you, In the same way as I was just talking about Lewis, yeah, he gets up into fourth, but in order to get to fourth, he has to sacrifice the exit. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the margins are so tight at that point in the race. Um, but the best start, Kevin Magnuson. I I saw um, I didn't really see it at the time, but as I was you know scrolling through the social media this morning, started P twenty and what do you he, where was he at the end of that lap? He was like thirteenth. Yeah, he was up. He was up really far. He was just passing cars all over the place. I mean, he what t- I don't know which tire he was on, but he got he got his tires like set up for the start of that race. He, whatever he did on the on the formation lap was just, he he was flying. That's as good a first lap as I've seen anyone do in a race. You know, that was spectacular, but there was some craziness that did end up happening on that lap. Yuki got spun out by, by Ocon who pushed him off. Ocon ended up getting a five second penalty for that, but it, it ended Yuki's race. He just finds himself getting, tangled up in these sort of things as does Ocon to be fair right Alpha Tauri have been losing cars before the before the first lap has been completed enough you know often before the first corner like so often this season you know you look back Pierre Gasly two consecutive races he was tangling with George and Zhao it's getting expensive for those guys Um, but it's just a shame because I think Yuki in particular still has to prove himself I don't know what his contract situation is for next year but it's you know he's got to not get tangled up in this I think obviously Ocon yeah it's it's not how you wanted to start his his home Grand Prix but he was off the pace all week anyway so he really was their car was just not really what they wanted it was kind of an anomaly that Fernando was able to get it up so high in qualifying but anyway, Max is pushing Charles a few laps down. Um, Charles had a great start, but the Red Bulls were just, they were looking really fast. Um, and it looked like yeah. maybe it was a matter of time for him to get by. He was he was right up behind him a few times, but the Ferrari in those corners, they're just able to pull away and it was enough. Yeah, and, and I was expecting, I was expecting the Red Bull to just blast by. Um, at, at, at every any and every straight, but just the run up to those those straights was just enough for the Ferrari to stay ahead. Yeah, but when you were watching the the you know the first dozen or so laps, it the Red Bull was all over the Ferrari, and you, you thought it was just a matter of time, but couldn't get it done. And then it was you know this is a high tire deg circuit. Yeah. And when it got to like eight, lap nine, you started thinking, well, is, is, ta- is Max going to cook his tires and then have to pit early and then Max sail off into the distance, uh, sorry, um, and then Charles take off into the distance and be able to maintain the tires that just that little bit longer. Clearly he's cooked his tires trying to catch and pass Charles, you know, 
Has Charles kept his tyres in, in working order? You know, what if Charles can go another 15 laps, maybe 10 laps? Then that's going to make the end of the race really interesting. So on lap 16, 17, I was really excited for the race that we were going to see. Yeah, and Char- Carlos was flying. He was up in 10th place already from starting 19th on the grid. Um, Carlos was was having a hell of a race from the back on those hard tires, just passing people left and right where there wasn't much overtaking going on. Yeah, and it, but but he was doing it on the hard tire as well. Right, everyone else around was on was on medium, but such is the advantage of the Ferrari and the Red Bull that um, yeah, he was getting by people. We've seen and this I a think couple that, times I mean, now with with both Charles and Carlos. And Checo did it too, from being in towards the back of the grid and being able to move yeah. up like this. Yeah, and I think in particular in the midfield, you got a lot of people scrapping for positions. It's so competitive in the midfield that, especially on this track, were, were they cooking their tires or were they saving their tires a little bit? Which just made those passes a little bit easier. I don't want to undersell what Carlos did because he did a great job yeah. to make up that many positions in in that number of laps. Um, you know, as I was picking, you know, going in to put my Coupes F1 picks in this weekend. Um, it was, okay, Carlos is at the back of the grid. How far up do you think he's going to get? Yeah. Fifth, sixth, seventh? I don't know. But, you know, it was always one of those. He was always going to be up there. It's like how long it would take him to get there and then, you know, see how yeah. it goes from there. Lap. 17, like you said, Max was the first of the leaders to pit, end of 16, into lap 17. And then just two laps later, they fly the camera over to a wall with Charles crashed into it. And then we see the replay, and seemingly it was pretty much just his fault. Although they say maybe something with the throttle, but Charles crashed and was out of the race from from the lead. He dropped it. We're seeing quite a bit of of this, yeah, from Charles, he, and I think it's because he's on the edge constantly. So the the closer you are to the edge, the easier it's going to be to make mistakes, right? But we've kind of seen quite a few mistakes from Charles Leclerc. Yeah, third to, third know? race that he's had to retire from from being in the lead of that race. Yeah, not good. Uh, and you know, obviously, some of that was technical or whatever um you know imola right he put it you know he was chasing down um sergio perez dropped it and i was actually looking at the 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 different issues he's had and i was just trying to bring it up on my screen um but you know you go back to i don't this is not a pick on charles leclerc (laughs) session going back to 2019 he should have been on pole in baku and he stuffed it into the barrier going into the tight castle section. Yep. And then... Um, Monaco last year. Well, Monaco last year, right? Supposed to be on pole and stacked it and didn't even get to start the race. But in the intervening year in 2020, he crashed into Sebastian Vettel, his own teammate, <laughs> on the first lap in Austria. He came out from the pits in Monza and was pushing too hard on cold tires <laughs> and crashed out. He, um, it's a good thing Martin's not here late. this week. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Martin would be like butting in all over. Um, he'd be like, stop it. <laughs> um, in Turkey, like at the, 
not quite the very, very last corner, but like two corners from the end, I think it was, he outbraked himself and went from being second to being third. And then there was uh, Bahrain, uh, where, he, where he and Sergio Perez came together. Yeah. Yeah, it's just seemed, it, it just seems that there's a lot of errors. Yeah. You, you know, the number of points that he's lost, obviously from, and he's lost those from Ferrari. I mean, Mercedes really should pay for, ferrari's end of season party yeah, seriously <laughs> seriously you know it's um yeah I, I but i mean just to get i mean it's like i said this is not a pick on charles leclerc session but it's true i really feel for the guy he was you know I, he took us he took a different line through that corner on that lap than he had in every other lap i don't know quite what he was trying to achieve obviously he was pushing yeah to um, to try and offset the undercut from Max Verstappen, but um, yeah, you got to keep it on the road, dude. Yeah, keep it on the road. Yeah, it was bad. And then you know to rub the salt in the wounds of the Ferrari fans on that pit stop during the safety car, Carlos gets the unsafe release into Albon. Essentially, Albon luckily slamming on his brakes, still locking up, but able to not run into him but carlos gets a five second yeah. penalty for that and to be fair that's as unsafe yeah, a release it was bad. as i've seen i mean it was bad the ferrari the um sorry the mclaren mechanic was yeah. right there if albon hadn't have seen it and had those reactions i mean all these guys have incredible reactions right. um but if they'd have made contact it would have that, that mechanic would have been in trouble. Yeah. Yes, in the race, they gave a five-second time penalty. If I was the race director, I'd have been, you know, suggesting something more sort of punitive to the team. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe we haven't heard the end of it, but that was nuts. And it, But it was down to the fact that it was a slow stop as well. Right. You know, everything was done on the car. And the front jack I think was gone. Everyone was waiting for it yeah, to go back, jack. but the rear jack wasn't down. And then as soon as the rear jack came down, he just went and no one was there to hold him up. Yep. Carlos then had a slow stop. And then the next is well, either the end of the race or the next stop has five seconds added, you know, that he needs to, to overcome. So, um, yeah, Ferrari Not a good making, laugh. making errors, you know, making errors. He has to give up the corner. We get to lap 21, two laps later, the safety car comes back in. Max gets an incredible start coming out of this, and he not even half a second into the, or half a lap in, he's already a second up, showing that the the Red Bull is just very is just dominant over the rest of the cars that are behind him. Um, but Carlos is up in the sixth at this point. I mean, he needs to serve the five second penalty. Lap 30, so. We're a few laps later, Carlos is able to get past up George still hasn't pitted yet. Um, but he's up into P four at this point, which is, you know, regardless of the penalty is really impressive from starting at the back of the grid. And then, so we're at lap 38, about a 53, I think Max is in the lead by a good amount at this point with Lewis behind him, Checo in third, Carlos up in P four, and then George in fifth rounding out the top five. And then we had the uh, Alonzo with the, what was it? Alpine, McLaren, McLaren, Alpine behind those guys. So the battle for that 
fourth spot is is really heating up in the constructors. I think at this point, it, it's really a case of the deciding factor is probably going to be Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Right? Because Ocon, obviously, he seems to blow hot and cold a little bit. Fernando is Fernando. Yeah. Right? So, you know, Fernando and Lando <laughs> kind of even themselves out. Right. They're going to be in the points near, consistently. You're like sixth place um, usually. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be in meaningful points in, in pretty much every race, depending on what Ferrari do. Right. Is it going to be a couple of points or is it going to be four or five points? Yeah. The difference is going to be, is Ocon going to finish in the points? And he can he chips away in, in 10th spot, yeah. in 9th spot, now and again. Ricardo, he needs, he, we talk about it all the time. So, and. Yeah. You know, McLaren have said they're committed to him, but he's going to be the difference. He needs to he needs to be scoring some points because if he's not scoring points, they're not they're not going to finish ahead of Alpine in the constructors. Yeah. Have you seen the news from IndyCar with Alex Pillow, last year's champion of IndyCar, and how he signed for McLaren Racing, and maybe they're thinking about moving him over to F one. I mean, I know I think they're they're going to have Daniel next year, but. They've got so yeah, many young drivers. And and Colton Herter was yeah. testing the F1 car this past weekend as well. Yeah. Um obviously US driver, you know, you know, obviously from our perspective, a US driver it, it would be big. Yeah. You look at just the just the viewership and the following of F1 in the US over the last couple of years, to have a US driver on the grid would be huge. Especially at this time. Um, yeah. And yeah, and in a team as meaningful as McLaren as right. well. I, I don't know. As much as they say they're committed to Ricardo, I think he's contracted next year anyway. So they don't have a decision to make in, in terms of are they going to offer him a new contract. But if he doesn't up his game, you know, maybe in the off season, I think you also need to think about this. You know, what we call silly season, which right. is August September, which is when all the driver moves happen in F one. But they're really the moves within F one. Yeah. I mean, it would be terrible for Daniel Ricciardo to not be in F1, put it that way. But from McLaren's perspective, they could go, you know what, we're going to give Colton Hurt to the seat. Sorry, Daniel. Does he then find another seat in F1? Anything that's just, you know, does he go scrabbling for change at the end at the end of the line? Does he do a year in IndyCar and stay with McLaren? And I, I don't know. Um, it's interesting. We're speculating now, but commercially you know everything in f1 is about money i know they've introduced the cost caps but everything's about money right yeah commercially having a an american driver would be would be big yeah but he's also but like then also the second most famous driver in all of f1 so right i mean but that, that, that's exactly what i was going to say yeah. it's like daniel ricardo is probably one of the more well-known and more popular drivers in the u.s yeah. they're in a difficult spot but anyway to get back to the point that's going to be the difference between yeah. um, Alpine and uh, and McLaren this year. Yeah, you're right because Ocon is able to occasionally sprinkle in those like lower points finishes. But Danny, we say all the time, he finishes like 11th and 12th out of the points, so he's going to have yeah. to I mean, pick it up for them. Yeah, I mean, but we, I mean, Ocon and Daniel. I mean, you look at this time last year, Ocon won in Hungary the next race. Yeah, Daniel won in Monza. 
that's not that's not a year ago either. Yeah, they know how to drive. Um, they've just got to no they've doubt. just got to get the car underneath them that they like and be able to to do with it what their teammates are doing. With it. We get a couple. Oh no! So on lap thirty eight, Kevin and Latifi have contact. Latifi spins out. They both stay in the race for a little bit, but ultimately they have to retire. So we we started seeing a really great battle between Carlos and Checo for third. Carlos had not pit yet for his penalty, but in the middle of the battle, you hear the Ferrari. It is a little bit delayed, but they were still fighting at the time when the message came out. Ferrari telling him to pit in the middle of a battle, and then he ultimately got ahead, but then they still pitted him. It was so weird. Um, yeah, I, I, it, I was completely baffled by the decision. I didn't understand it. It seemed like he had enough pace to make up that five seconds to stay in at least third place. Yeah, because at that point he he'd done the hard work. He was in third, and all he needed to do was nurse his tires, try and keep it going, try and keep a gap, because uh, he was clearly faster than Perez. Perez had been struggling for pace as well all weekend, um, really. Yeah, and all he needed to do was kind of keep it at least as fast as Perez. Yeah. And he'd have, okay, maybe Perez would have gone him back, or maybe at the end he wouldn't have been um, on the podium. He was in third at that point. But to pit him with, what, 11 laps to go? Yeah. Um. That's clearly not enough time to make up a 27-second pit lane deficit. It was never going to happen. I, mean, I just don't – I really don't understand it. I did see a quite hilarious um, thing on Twitter this morning with, with – is it Practical Jokers or something, that TV show where the guys – Jokers. Impractical Jokers, whatever it is. And – you know, their mark has one of them's got the earpiece in, and it's just they're telling him to do the most stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they've got those guys on the on the pit wall <laughs> saying to. <laughs> so it's like now, it, and it's as he's just making the move stick, and on on the TV picture, it's as he's making yeah. the move, it's got in the bottom right hand corner. Pit lane radio, Carlos Sainz, and on on the on the picture, it's like tell him to pit now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are they doing? They need they need to make changes. They do. I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot. Of, I don't didn't watch a whole lot of the of the of, of the after show because um, with kids, you know, they yeah. never really get to the whole thing. And I forget who it was, but they were saying Benotto has to make some changes. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. Someone, someone who's making key in race decisions, is massively off the ball, out of their depth, not be able. You know, they look. They're too busy looking at, the, at their screens of data and all that stuff. They don't look up and watch what's actually going on in the race. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 bad. It's bad. Yeah. Like it's it's. But, like I, I, just, said, I feel so badly for Mar- for Martin. <laughs> and it's so i mean he, you know he's having a great time with his family um but 
I, so I'm glad that he's not here to hear this because this must be tough listening. So Martin, I know you're going to be listening. Yeah, sorry, man. We're, we're not being we're not we're not being mean. Don't to you. watch the race. Just saying how it is. We, Don't watch the race. You know, like I said, like Mercedes should be paying for Ferrari's end of season party yeah. because it's it's uh, they're just tripping themselves up at, at many many different turns, and you know I think obviously. Red Bull have been in the mix for the last couple of seasons. They are used to being in the situation where they're leading races. Right. And so they've trained themselves to be calm in those situations. So when, you know, a team like Ferrari, they've been on the outside looking in, they've not programmed themselves to be cool in these situations and, and that they, they get excited or something. I don't know. Um, stupid. But they're just making they're making wrong decisions. Every decision it seems that they make appears to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, they have obviously have a lot more information to their fingertips than than you or I do, with the benefit of hindsight and the power of Twitter. But um, I don't know. In the yeah. moment, I was like, "What are you doing?" So yeah. I mean, and, and the way that I look at it is this: if Mercedes had the Ferrari car this year. Where would it? Where would they be? They'd probably be in the lead. I mean, right. we're speculating here, but if Lewis was in that car, if Mercedes had that Ferrari car this year, they would not be in this in the place. Drivers aside, right? Ignoring the drivers, if Mercedes had Ferrari's car this year, they would have more points than Ferrari have now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh. Just not good. We had George and Checo had that little moment. George pushed Checo off the track, and George was heated on the radio. He was screaming. He thought he was. Yeah. He thought he was ahead of him. I didn't see it that way. It's a chicane, so it's not a straightforward ninety degree or or straightforward left hander, right? So. When you're on the inside, your front wheels need to be in front of their rear wheels to have a to have a claim to the corner. George didn't. I mean, he made the corner, but he didn't. Even making the corner, he didn't have enough room on his right hand side for Checo to be there. Yeah, it's like yeah, you you had a right to the corner, but you needed to give him the exit. Yeah, he said that that Checo went across him. When you actually look at where he was in the braking zone, Checo was on a much narrower, tighter line into that corner than you normally would. Mm-hmm. He went; he was heading for the apex of the corner a lot earlier. So I see where George came from in yeah. terms of saying he turned in. At the end of the day, I think it was the right decision that there was no decision. Yeah, I agree. Because I think if they had made a decision, it would have unfairly um been to the detriment of the other driver because it was a bit of six of one half a dozen of the other on that one they both had a role in that outcome so it was the right choice for me but it was cool to hear like mercedes come on the radio saying you can still get this done you can still get this done toto and then that yeah and yeah hearing toto come on the radio and he was like all fired up it was really great 
And then, the, you know, there were a couple of moves that it was a good little battle then, you know, that and, and the, the, the sequence when when George did finally get by was great fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, get, taking different lines into corners and all of that. It was great. Well, to get to that, Joe had to pull off and retire from the race and cause the VSC that caused that moment where Checo was just napping pretty much. He didn't notice that it had come gone back to, to green flag conditions, I guess, or thought it, <laughs> or thought it was on another turn than it was. And George just got right by him. And that was it. I, what happened there? He was, he was napping. Was he, maybe he was fiddling with something on his wheel. Or, I have no idea. I heard him like try and explain it afterwards. And it's just, he wasn't really making sense. He was like, I thought that they said on the radio that it would be green flag by turn eight. And I was, it was just, it was weird. I'd never heard them. Why would it be like specify a turn where the green flag would be starting. Didn't make any sense. And the green flag comes down when the green flag sh- is shown. Yeah. Checo must have been pretty embarrassed after that. Yeah. That was not. That was not great driving on his part. And we all know he's a good driver. I don't know. There was something something going on this weekend. He just couldn't get it going. Yeah. Couldn't get it going at all. Um, but then you know. So Lewis was at this point in second and George was in third. Yeah. And that was how it ended. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you looked at how things were in qualifying and, you know, Mercedes looked to have gone the wrong way. I was expecting Mercedes to be way more competitive this weekend. Yeah, me too. By virtue of the fact that, you know, the track itself is supposed to be as smooth as any circuit on the calendar. And given Mercedes issues with, with bouncing porpoising, I was expecting, well, maybe the porpoising would be not an issue and they could set their car up whereby they could, you know, be, be competitive. They weren't um, on Friday and Saturday. And I don't think they were, really in the race either relative to Ferrari and Red Bull, but Sergio Perez was a non-event and check and uh, Carlos was starting from the back. So great result all around. They, they, they scrapped it out and they, they pick up the pieces that Ferrari leave for them. Yeah. And, and Red Bull as well. And obviously the case of, of Checo. Just but. showing how much their reliability is so important in this, yeah. in the, in the grand scheme of, of a season. Um, yeah, and, and I think that that's going to be, you know, like at this point now, there's 44 points between Ferrari and Mercedes, yeah. which is crazy when you consider the relative performance of the car, but it's the reliability. Is there going to be a situation where we can see a Mercedes victory? Given the way that Max Verstappen is, is driving and the way that Red Bull are, are set up for Max, I don't think so. I think any anything else, you know, Carlos, Charles, Sergio, th- their race weekends fall apart quite regularly. It's it seems, but Max is pretty bulletproof, and yeah, you don't see them this, winning one. I I can't see at this stage with the relative performance of the cars. I can't see a situation where both Red Bulls and both Ferraris have something go on that mean that the situation or would present itself for a Mercedes victory. That's not to say that 
if Max has uh, an engine penalty and has to take parts and ends up starting at right. the back of the grid like we've seen Charles and Carlos do and get tangled up in the midfield, that it would then be a case of Lewis having to beat everyone except Max. Yeah. Um, that it could happen. I want it to happen. I, I want Lewis to win a race this Me season. Too. Lewis, has, Lewis has won a race every year of his career, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. It's insane. So good. I want to see him win a race. Yeah. I... You know, I, I think it, it would fall into the, I don't want to say the miracle category because that's far too rare. I mean, you, you make your own luck. Um, and we saw the miracle last last year, obviously, that Red Bull asked for. <laughs> but, yeah, I. It, it's going it, to, it's tough to see anyone other than Ferrari and Red Bull winning a race this season. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see how these but upgrades if, but do. If they both fail to win, then I'm sure it's. It, I mean, Mercedes have demonstrated that if they do trip up, they're going to be the ones to leap. Yeah, I want to see Lewis be the first one to get a win over 300 races in their career. I think they said that's never happened. So, and that that was the race. So we had Max P1, Lewis and George P2 and three. First double points finish for Mercedes of the season. Um, double podium. Double podium, oh. right. Double podium finish. Um, it's the 50th time that Max and Lewis have shared a podium together. And wow. Alonzo broke the record set by Kimi for all-time laps completed in their career. So, yeah, and a good race for Fernando. Yeah. He, he started seventh and he finished up in sixth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he like, like, we, like we said earlier, he knows how to put his car where it needs to be, uh, you know, during the course of a race and, and, and make it to the end. So Yeah, and the Alpines really outperformed the McLaren. I mean, we talked about how they were fighting. They were actually tied coming into this race in the constructors. Alonso and Ocon took P6 and P8, and Lando took P7. Lando and Danny took P7 and P9. So they were able to, I think they're like four points ahead now. So still really close for that fourth team in the constructors. Um, so winners, I mean, Max is the winner. He destroyed as soon as Charles crashed out, he was just way ahead. It wasn't even close. Yeah. I mean, it, it went from being a situation where it could have, if Charles Leclerc had not crashed out, kept it on the track, kept going on that set of tires such that he had the fresher tires at the end and you know, uh, even if he'd fallen behind, would have probably been able to get back past Max by the end of the race. It, if that had happened, it would have been like a 30-point-ish right. difference in the championship. Now it's, what, 63? 63 points. I mean... It's turning into a bronze season at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, is it over for Charles? If he wins every race from now till the end of the season, he'll be world champion. Okay. There's what? There's uh, seven points difference between winner and runner-up, and there are seven races. Wait, no, ten races left. So 70 points. Wow. And, you know, 
if he wins out, then he'll have the most race wins. And so even if Max Verstappen gets the fastest lap in each race, the the, the race wins count back would work for Charles Leclerc. But he's got to win every race to do that. Um, So... It's the the odds are very long. Yeah, maybe, maybe when uh, when we're into the mid season, you know, into the summer break, and uh, we're going to see our friend Nick Kenyon yeah. come back for a show, right? Maybe we can talk about that. I mean, and I think when Nick came on the show first time, we were maybe what two, three races into the season, yeah, something like I think that. At, at Just... that point, what was Charles Leclerc's lead in the points? It was probably thirty something points. Yeah. Um, massive swing, obviously, in the betting. Um, you know, at that point, we were talking to Nick about, well, what what are the odds on Max at this point? Um, now it's going to be a very different conversation, oh, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, looking forward to that yeah. conversation with Nick in a couple of weeks. Next winner is Mercedes. I mean, like we've said, we don't have to go much back over it, but they, they pick up the pieces where Ferrari drops them, and the best result for them on the season so far. Um, yeah. And, and like we were saying a few minutes ago, when you look at where they were on Friday and Saturday, yeah, you've got to, you've got to call them winners yeah. for the race. They've come out with like their, their biggest poll points haul of the season when they thought that they'd maybe got taken a step back. Um, I think their car is just really track specific. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a hot race in France, you know, 60 degrees track temperature. Um, Whatever that means. And I, it means it was hot. <laughs> and, you know, up until now, the, the, the convention was, actually, the, the Mercedes looks pretty good in the hot weather. And then that happened. Hungary is going to be another hot, hot race. It's always notoriously hot and sticky in in Hungary for the Grand Prix. Right. Um, but it's, it's a, it'll be an interesting one looking forward. I think um, Ferrari have a strong chance at this one. There isn't a long straight. It's, you know, it's the second like tightest circuit on the, on the calendar mm-hmm. after Monaco. I say that, and you know, obviously there's some new tracks that have come in. Obviously Baku's not because of that massive straight that they have, but, you know, it's when you look at the Red Bull advantage on the straights, they're not really going to have that in uh, in Hungary. The, the nature of the circuit, the you know, certainly the second half of the the circuit um, of the lap, very sort of left right sweeping, relatively slow, but not like ninety degrees. That should play into Ferrari's hands. It should also maybe play into. Mercedes hands. It's going to be an interesting race. I think that this race coming up in Hungary, as, as much as I say, it, if it fell off the calendar, I would be too disappointed. You know, maybe with these cars, it could be some really tight racing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And we don't have to wait very long. No, it's just this weekend. Next week, races. So, and then, then it's a four weeks. Yeah, um, I think it's like a whole what month. Gonna, yeah. What are we going to do? I don't know. Get Keanu Reeves on the show. <laughs> like we'll, we'll, we'll have a word with VJ. Yeah. Uh, VJ, our good friend from Pine Sports. Yes. Um, did you see, uh, did you see how we did in coops this week? Martin's not here, but I had 
Some good points. Yeah. 230. 230. Yeah. The dentist in the house. <laughs> Let's go. 230. Yeah, um, I had 195, yeah. which I think was reasonable. Um, Top scores friend were Ryan, crazy. 275 some guy got. Yeah, our friend Ryan, uh, former neighbor of ours, he, he, I should really reply to his, his WhatsApp because he was <laughs> saying to Martin and I, hey, 240, you know, which is really great. Yeah. Um, no, he did well. Oh yeah, losers. I mean, Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari. I mean, way. you could add Alfa like Tarn. Alfa Tari. Yeah, Alfa Romeo. Basically, the Italian teams. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Alfa Romeo is actually Swiss because <laughs> <laughs> it's Alba, right? Um, but obviously, it's Alfa Romeo. Um, very Italian. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. I think we can just bucket it all in into Haas. Italian. Um, yeah, has has struggled. That's a shame. They and especially after that amazing first lap yeah. by K Mag, um, they but they've had a good strong run of results and it just didn't work out for them today. Yeah. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about: the last corner tussle between Set. the Aston Martins. Yes, they they finished eleventh and twelfth, right? No, tenth so and eleventh. Stroll got tenth place. Oh, oh, he did. That's right. That's right. Holy crap, yeah. Stroll just totally parked his car in the middle of the corner. Yeah. Oh, if, if his dad didn't own the team. Seriously. <laughs> that was really not cool. But Vettel was all over it. Yeah. It was like, it, it's funny, you know, Stroll, and obviously he's an easy target because his dad owns the team. But it was like at the end of the race, and it's like, go ahead and race. And then... Stroll suddenly found himself with a four times world champion on his <laughs> on his heel. Yeah. And that was they could have very easily come into contact and ended any hope of that final point. Like right uh, in front of the finish line. Like, too. Yeah, yeah, that was nuts. That was not cool. Yeah. Did Seb hit him? It 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 was close. It was very close indeed. It was really close. Uh, but I don't think they did. But I think just generally, Aston Martin still struggling a little. Yeah, they're, they're still not where they should be. But they I mean, they're be better. They're probably happy with a point, all things considered. Every point counts. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Undercut with Jason, Martin, and Nick. Join us next time where we'll review the Hungarian Grand Prix.